Blog Talk Radio. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151. One sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence. Who I'm gonna body this hood, politics, acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee. I duck, could it be my time is up With my love, I got up The cops shot again, bust stop glass burst A fiend drops a Heineken Ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in Blacking out, I shoot back Fuck getting hit, this is my hood I'm a rat, to the death of it, to everybody Come on, little niggas, it's grown Hood rats, don't abortion your wound We need more warriors soon, shit from the stars Sun and the moon, and it's like a police chase Street sweepers and coppers, sick up kids With no conscience, leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die, All powers to oppress people, African power to an African people. Black power to black people. It's your brother and host, Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party, coming to you on this Monday. And actually, you know, listen, happy to be here this Monday. I know we had taken a hiatus. We had been off for a moment. I've been doing some traveling, handling some business. But it is always good to come back to our listeners, to the people who support the party, not just the People's Black Panther Party, but who supports black liberation struggle African, the African here in America, empowerment and advancement. It's good to be greeting you again and coming to you, um, man. And that's why I give you the greeting. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power to a black people. Um, for my Muslim brothers and sisters out there, Ramadan Mubarak. I pray that your Ramadan is going well, that the Most High God, Allah, is answering your prayers and giving you what you're seeking for and giving you peace and tranquility in this time. Um, mental stability, financial ease, and all the things. Today's topic that we'll be discussing, social media or the use of social media in the black liberation struggle. The use of social media in the black liberation struggle. And why is this, um, to me, super important, and why this particular time? There's been, in my time off and in the break that I've had addressing the brothers and sisters out there, that I've been, you know, every blue moon, those that know me personally and who go to my Facebook page know that I'm not a very big Facebook user. I'm, first of all, I'm from a, a different era. So I really don't grasp the whole concept of this social media thing. And secondly, uh, a lot of times to me it's just depressing. I mean, it is just depressing. It's hard. You know, I'm friends with a lot of proactive and progressive brothers and sisters who believe in the advancement, empowerment, and liberation of African people in America. So they tend to post things that expose the tactics 
and the actions of our oppressors. And so with saying that, there's a lot of, you know, um, police brutality, black ignorance, white ignorance against people of African descent or people, African people in America. Just, I mean, it is, it can get very, and also what we find is a lot of times in my opinion, um, you know, us going, I see a lot of back and forth on the social media. I see a lot of people using it as a tool of defamation, slander, some right just sometimes in, in a lot of instances, just outright maliciousness towards our brothers and sisters. So it made me raise the question because I was having a discussion with people and I was asking, and I was having a discussion with people and I was asking, how does this social media affect us in the struggle? And some people were pro and some people were con, you know, and You know, some people were pro and some people were con. And so with that, it the, the pros of it were it offers and affords us the opportunity to address a lot of people, to speak to the masses of people and people we normally wouldn't have had the opportunity to speak to had we not had this instrument or this tool called social media. It's one of the pros, and I and I totally agree with that. I think that when utilized properly and correctly, it can be an instrument of mass distribution for proper information. Now, the con is along the same veins, that since you do have an audience, since the audience can be so large, you know, if you're not responsible, which a lot of people have proven that they sometimes aren't, it can be used as an instrument of slander and defamation. So what is it? You know, what what you know, what what is it to us? And how do we utilize it? There's some things, you know, going going around but so and also does this erode the social cultural dynamic between human beings? The lack of interaction. Is this contributing to our lack of activity in the field? And being out there, you know. So these these are some of the things that we question. I have my dear brother War, our national chief staff, on the line, and we're gonna have you know brother War expound on this and go into a little more of it for us. Brother War, are you, your mic's open. Are you there, brother? Yes, sir. All power to people, black power. All power to people, black power. Yes, sir. Um, what I would say in regards to the uh, the pros and cons of social media. One thing I want to touch on some of the, uh, the the negative aspects, and it simply has to do with the fact that it social media has become so much of a norm and a a a way of people's life that it has actually taken on identity and for and it, and on its own. A lot of people actually at this day and age, with the especially with the youth, actually live off of social media, and and that is part of the uh, the problem from a psychological aspect in terms of how you communicate and and um, cohabitate with your day-to-day life and, and your surroundings. Because what happens is, is people are moving toward this phase as a result of technology to where their cyber, their, their cyber world 
is as much of a reality as the as the actual physical world. And unfortunately, especially with especially as, as things move moving toward uh, augmented augmented reality and virtual reality, people are taking more and more of a front seat to this type of technology, and social media is is basically playing right into that. And so what happens is uh, people tend to build a facade or, 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 a, or a personality based upon their social media existence. And so this causes our, our, our people to have a false of what reality really is and even who they really are. So it, it creates a negative aspect in, in terms of, of how we identify our, our self-worth our self-value, and how we also communicate to the rest of the world. And so the social media, from a negative aspect, is, is leaning more toward that. And a lot of people are subconsciously not realizing the effects of having this, quote-unquote, virtual reality world and persona because they are able to have such a persona. And a lot of times people get these you know, likes, they get a whole lot of friends and so forth on social media. You get up into the hundreds or the thousands of, in regards to friends, and, and, and you get to communicating on it on a day-to-day basis. Next thing you know, you sucked up in it, and you don't even go outside and, and, and interact with the real world. And you tend to think that your Facebook value or your social media value uh, carry, carries over into who you really are in the real world. And that can be a very dangerous uh, way of life in terms in terms of just being able to accomplish and, and deal with the real reality as it as it as it is. And so I want to make sure our people uh, understand that. And now you know, and going back to when you were saying about the positive aspects of it, you know, it's it's a great tool to interact and to reach out to people, you know, over great distances that you normally wouldn't have the opportunity to 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 uh, you know, mingle with in regards to communication over the hers and over the lines. But at the same time, we have to exercise that with caution because mm-hmm. it causes our people to, you know, get uh, dependent upon that and dependent upon that image and that mode of communication because social media is just simply a form of communication, but it should not take on a uh, a persona. You should not take on so much a persona and depend on that persona as your way a way of communicating and a way of interacting with people to the point to where it becomes your main and primary means of communication. Right. So do we, let me ask you, Ward, do you think that this is what, what, what has happened for the most part in the movement now, and you see a lot of us using social media to communicate for propaganda and everything, do you think that it has become – some of our main part of uh, not just communication, but also taken as, as revolutionary actions. I mean, you know, one of the, the things that we always are talking about is the lack of social and cultural involvement and empowering um, of the masses of, of African people in America and Facebook revolutionaries. You know, so do you think that this is, do you think that it's 5149 more towards social media than actual involvement or you know, are we still on that swinging thing, fifty-fifty, or more social involvement and and real revolutionary action as far as in the streets than the social media? I want to say things to, to me appears to be leaning more toward social media, and the reason being is is because it's so much easier for someone to raise hell 
and and reach more people or bring a point across and reach more people as well as like I say about building your persona and, and your personality on 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 you know on, through social media you can create the, the the particular picture that you want and that is so appealing to the masses because the deal is is I can present myself to be who you who I decide I want to be and at any point in time if if I have an issue with you then I can just unlike you or block you. Whereas in real life, you can't block somebody when, you know, when you walk down the street or you do whatever you do in regards to act, real activism in, 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 the, in real life, you can't, you can't block somebody, mute somebody, or, or delete them, so to speak. So this social media thing causes people to have a um, – build a whole entire way of organizing and a way of reaching out. In their in their per- perceptive, in a way of actually being involved in the community through social media, and especially with the fact that you can go on social media and do a whole lot of cutting and pasting and taking you know sound bites, video footage and and pics pictures and so forth, and just paste them on your page, and you can make this whole powerful intro in regards to what I represent or what I think is important and needs to get addressed in the community. And so you get a lot of uh, feedback and a lot of uh, communication going back and forth from something like that. It almost it almost gives people a taste of what the media is able to do and has been doing to manipulate the minds of the masses for you know for for decades now. And so people are getting a taste of that 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 same ability to a certain degree, and it is it's taken uh, it's taking its own form and it's taking its own becoming its own little monster, so to speak. That's interesting. Well, well, you know, and and I agree with that. Definitely, absolutely. So let's ask you. So here's my question: With that, then, does this erode the um, our consciousness or our sense of um, connectedness socially when we get behind these computers and we do that? And like you said, we create these new uh, personas and create these new images of who we would like to be by the cutting and pasting. Does this? A role, the sense of accountability and responsibility to one another. Is this these, these images that we're creating? Is this um, leading to some um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just some false. Since since a lot of the images we portray are false, is this just leading to a disconnect in our community? I would say it is, and and that's simply because unlike. The, the physical world we live in, the rules of the cyber, cyber world are, are a lot different. Things can take place and happen without the same level of repercussions that you can have in a real-world life situation. You know, and it's like it, it dealing with things in the United States to where you can have, you know, we deal with our civil li- liberties and our ability to voice our freedom of speech. You know, so from that standpoint, if I go out and I and, – and I, the decide to organize a, a protest or, or a boycott or anything along that lines to where I want to try to make change, whereas it, it takes a lot of work because, for one, I have to, you know, do typically do door-to-door. I have to link up with other organizations. I have to try to get in touch with people, you know, within the community. I have to stay on ground with what's actually happening and then try to organize this on a specific date that's going to reach out and, and, and have the, the greatest appeal, whereas on social media I can, make, I can create a post real quick and fast, and I can just shoot that 
to uh, to my to my friends. And again, if I have hundreds of friends on social media, instantly they got this. And then if if I make the post public, then it reaches millions of people. So the whole point is is based on that, we tend to cater how we're going to be active in the community based upon the responses we're able to we're able to get and how easy something becomes. So it it generates a whole mythology of what we're going to consider to be social activism now, in which it is a form of social activism, but it's supposed to be a tool to enhance and assist real, concrete, on-the-ground, grassroots activism, not a replacement. And so a lot of people come into, and their first taste of actual activism is through social media, and because it becomes so easy to, to, to go back and forth with it, that's as far as they go. And by that being as far as they go, a lot of people that are not using social media tend to be left out of the loop. So when they try to mix social media with, with concrete activism, a lot of times you, you only get half the picture. And so that causes a, a, an issue. And then, again, going back to just the way life is, is orchestrating itself in terms of the social world and the virtual world, people are, are having greater and greater um, control over how they operate just based upon how we have so many smart devices. So everything is moving towards this realm of being able to create a, what I would view as a form of transparency between the virtual world and the reality world. And this is getting, and, it, and it's becoming a, a less and less of a line between this every day. Well, what's the, and that's, let's talk about that line between us, because what I find on, when you look on social media, especially with people that we disagree with, I find such maliciousness and such bitterness in addressing one another that I, it, it leads me to wonder, would we react or behave the same way if the conflict was face-to-face? Do you think that this contributes the lack of the, the uh, lack of identity or the anonymity, anonymy, well, the lack of being known or looking, addressing people face-to-face, does this contribute and lead to some of the maliciousness that we see on the social media? I do think it does, and, it, and, it, and I don't think people are conscious of the effects of it. Give you an example. Basically, because I can go on and create a, a page, a social media page, and form how I want myself to be viewed, when someone comes at me, then I'm going to be a lot more offensive than I am in, in, in a real or, or a real life situation because the fact is I put my best, I put my best foot forward, my, my best face forward, and I think that I can construct a reality within social media that creates this there's no reason to come against me mentality. Or only just from the standpoint that it's a whole lot easier for me to communicate when I don't have to look someone face-to-face in directly in the eye and right there in person. Because body language, is, body language creates a, a whole different uh, way of how you communicate with someone, as well as hearing someone's actual voice, as well as it's, it's just the whole gamut of the communication you have when you're face-to-face. Now, when you're behind a screen and there's no direct form of communication, then I, is, then I can go back and forth, and I, I have a whole new sense of, of, of courage that I would not have in person simply because I'm able to d- decide what I want to be, what to be presented before the world, and I'm able to retract it at any given time to a certain degree, obviously, uh, retract it and, and, and not face the same set of consequences you would in a real-life situation. 
So we we become dependent upon these again these smart devices and these these way this form of communication and advertisers and the media and everybody leans toward this in terms of a legitimate and 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 transparent and almost replacement form of how we interact with one another and it's more it's become become to be more and more encouraged in fact you have you have a lot of employment now looking at social media when they want to decide and make a decision on, on, on who they hire, not just from a negative aspect, but from a positive aspect as well. So people are being encouraged to create a social media reality. Wow. Wow. You know what I find, though, it's, it's here's what I find. And then, like you said, I, you know, first of all, that lack of personal contact does embolden us a little bit more. And causes us, I think, to react or overreact in, on a lot of situations. But here's a question that I have, brother. It seems with all these so-called smart devices, we have become some of the most foolish people. We find people um, being incarcerated due to Facebook posts. You know, um, just an example, i.e., in, 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 in essence, or an example of people on parole or on some type of paperwork posting with firearms and things of that nature. Is it the, is it that same you don't know who I am or that same I've created this image that makes us feel like that we're untouchable. What makes these individuals go on and start posting some of the most inflammatory and self-incriminating type of things on Facebook? Well, again, I believe what happens is a lot of people, because their introduction into life, especially with the youth, is, is been social media has been something they've been brought up into. So it's been, it's been, so much of their norm in terms of how they how they interact with everyone because this is the, this is their generation of 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 movement tend to real they tend to forget and not be able to uh, be sensitized by the normal day to day things that happen when you have a physical interaction with somebody. So from that same standpoint, the same you get caught up in this mentality where you can put a statement out there, retract a statement, block somebody. Uh, inbox somebody and and just form this whole reality, and from that, it people tend to forget how easy it is to track your movement through a, an electronic footprint. Most most the, the average person has no idea literally how this activities that are being done on the smart devices, your computer or anything else, and the footprint that you leave on social media creates this psychological imprint and psychological profile of who you are and who you say you are and who associates with you as well. It leaves a chain of, of events that can cause it to be real easy to form an identity or real easy to try to backtrack who someone is. I mean, it, whether, whether it be through your MAC address, your IP and, and the carrier you use, there's so many different ways to track and, and reroute back to the source of information, through, you know, just through electronic media, electronic media. But most people are not aware of that. And so when they think that they go on, open up a Facebook page and they put in a fake birthday for them and they put in a fake name for them, that all this stuff that they're doing is anonymous, and that's just not the case. And so since they get in this mentality of thinking that they can fool the general public, they think they can fool the government as well, and it's just it just don't work that way. Just because you can put a a picture up, and and that picture represents what you think it wants to represent, doesn't mean that it doesn't have an electronic signature. 
And that's just it, familiar with the concepts behind cyber warfare or, or cyber technology and the encryption process that goes into electronic transportation, electronic media means. And so they're unfamiliarized with that, and so therefore they think that they're, they, they, they put up this, they think they got more of a shield against being attacked or shield against being apprehended or that they have more freedoms on a social media site than they would in a reality world. So they don't understand that there is a line, but at the same time, some of the, some of the consequences and some of the things that you can do in that, in, in that virtual world has to go back and be just as well valid and just as well used against you as it would in a physical world because you are representing something. You are reaching out and, and, and touching other people. So the same way if you were to put a verbal threat up on a social media group, it's no different than putting up a threat for somebody's life in, in person. So these same things apply. But since there is not a rule book that's just projected when you sign up with a social media that you have to pay attention to because, you know, you can scroll down and hit, and hit check, I agree, without actually reading through anything versus real life where you know if you slap somebody, you know if you threaten somebody out loud that they basically have certain rights. So people tend to forget that these lines are not, in, are not um, eradicated when you operate on a social media site. Right. You know, I was watching, um, it's funny you said, I was watching Bill Maher. Bill, I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Bill Maher. And they had a Google, I believe it was ethics and moral type of cat. And Bill Maher asked him what he did. And he said his job was to um, to uh, basically make, make um, the Facebook and everything social media appealing. And he called it Attention economics. Attention economics. He said that in the this information age, with the flood of information, that there's only so much information a person can cram in their life because, you know, you only have 24 hours a day and you have to live life. He said there's only so much information a person can cram in their life, so they find ways to capture that attention. And a lot of that a lot of that is through sensationalism. I'm wondering if our people haven't subconsciously understood that and become more sensational in their rhetoric, doing more, saying more, trying to capture the limited uh, attention or the short attention span of the people out there that are already being bombarded by so much so much information. And we talk about, like you said, people signing these terms and agreements without actually reading them and putting their self in jeopardy. But with that being said, I'd love to ask you, how, so how do you feel about people being ousted on Facebook or, or not just ousted but being exposed or either the masses being warned about people? And is there some responsibility to that? How does that look? You know, what's your take on that? Because like I was saying earlier in my monologue, in, in the opening dialogue, that uh, a lot of times we see this happening, and what's the line between maliciousness, slammed and defamation, and actual actually warning the people? Well, I, I want to say that I think those lines are still being drawn and it's still being determined because social media grew 
at a a faster pace than a, actual uh, laws have, have have worked around them. And so right now, as it stands, there's certain there's just certain basic things that apply. And so as it, as it has to do with like, like criminal code or, or or actually doing a a physical crime through social media or through electronic means, these laws are still being defined. And so a lot of the things are being handled by by filters in, in terms of making sure that things are not projected or put, put on as much as possible that will create um, a, a criminal acts. And so a lot of the social media groups are trying to just basically monitor the the activity of those people that are on social media in terms of dealing with trying to handle these things because basically the, the, the masses are not smart enough to prevent themselves from getting in trouble. So to some degree, a lot of things are just basically blocked when you attempt to do it, but at, to, because there's so much activity and there's still being programs developed to try to filter out certain things, a lot of stuff uh, uh, seeps through the cracks. And since this stuff seeps through the cracks, it goes back to whether or not, you know, um, the level of, 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 you know, denunciation or, or, or slander or anything to that, to that level can be deemed a criminal act and who responds to that criminal act because we're going to get, we're going to start shifting to, in, into this position where there's going to start being court cases that have to do with the defamation of character on social media. And people are going to find themselves accountable, you know, from a monetary as well as a criminal standpoint of that. See, these kind of cases haven't, haven't really started happening just yet, but they're working their way through the system. And as they do, those are going to start defining what people are, are able and, and not able to post just on the on, the on front. But as, as it stands now, we're still working our way into that realm, as well as technology is constantly being developed in terms of social media, where you have, say right now, Facebook is the end thing. Well, six months from now, there may be a different type of social media that gets developed that allows you to do something a little bit different, and then people run run to that one. You know, like how it is with Snapchat. You got some of the same stuff going on with Snapchat. And so the pace of, of these different social media outlets feeding the ability to, to try to create parameters and define and confine people to certain behavior and at the same time, prevent them from being able to entrap themselves with their own behavior. So it's, going to, it's just going to require us to be a little bit more, as people, to be a little bit more conscious and, uh, about what we're doing. So as we stop drawing so much of a, of a, uh, of a line between virtual world, the virtual world and a real world, then we will also hold ourselves just as, as accountable as to what we do in our virtual world as we do in the real world. So that's where things are going to head. As there becomes less and less of a line between the physical realm and the virtual realm, these things will start being defined for us. And that's the negative aspect of it because most of us don't seem to realize that that's exactly what's happening. And with the advent of technology and getting to the point to where, like how they mapped out the human gene, the genome, as well as where they're mapping the mind now, they're being able to reproduce electronic signatures that fool your mind into thinking that you've actually had a real experience on something that was implanted into the mind. And this is kind of going far off to the, off, off to the left, but to bring it back home, this is where things are going with the smart devices and the smart technology. So 
as the world starts redefining itself in terms of what's reality and what isn't reality and even going into cybernetics and, and things of that nature, laws are going to start being changed to address that. And so people are going to find out that as they move into the cyber world, they're going to be just as accountable for their actions as they are in the physical world. Okay. Wow. This is, there again, brothers and sisters, this is your host, Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party. You're listening to your Independence Black Radio. We're talking about the use of social media in the black liberation struggle, the pros and cons of it, the uh, good and bad. And, and I think that, and there again, like I always say, those that know me, this is your radio program. So if you love to chime in, to comment, to offer your opinion, critique your criticisms, please press 1. We'll recognize you and open your mic, and we'd love for you to share with us. So I guess, you know, one of the things to sum it up, um, Chief War, to ask, is it, is it harming, is it more beneficial or detrimental to the black liberation struggle? I would say it's, it's, it's really hard to say whether it's more harming or not because it, we're, we're just like with the general public. We're moving into this realm, and we're learning right along with it. I would say it, we just have to be smarter as, as, as people in the liberation struggle in terms of our use of social media, and we got to make sure that we're also applying the same level of, of basic critical thinking that we do to the physical world, to the virtual world. So it really just depends on the individual. I would say that social media can be a very, very powerful tool for liberation struggle, but we have to realize that it's, it, it is just that. It's a tool. It is something that we use in addition to. It is not meant to be a replacement, and that's where we run into the problem because people are being exposed to social media uh, first and foremost before they are to real grassroots activism. And so when people utilize social media as their form of grassroots activism and think that that, can, that is just as powerful and it, it's just as important as then actual physical groundwork then that's where you get into the problems because understand that when we're getting, just to give you an example of, of, of police brutality or any type of racist act that happens in the physical world, well, that is impacting someone's livelihood. So from a virtual world, if somebody just, you know, throws out a racial slander or put, put a, a racial posting up, it doesn't have the same effect as it does in the real world to the, to the degree of being up doing this. Because then, again, that the whole level of, of physical threat comes into play. And now do I find you to be as much of a threat? Whereas in the virtual world, you you making a statement or bringing your point across. But in the physical world, if I were to stand in front of someone's face and call them a racial slur at the same time, now I physically may feel like, you know, this person is uh, is about to harm me. You never know. You will get, you will get a different response. If you call somebody, if you go up, the white boy come up to you face-to-face -face and call you a nigger in, 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 you know, nose-to-nose, -nose, then you liable to beat his ass. Whereas in social media, if someone calls you that, then you just turn right around and say another racial slander, and y'all go back and forth for a minute, and then you, you'll move on about your day. So it, the whole persona and the whole pre pre presentation is different because of the fact that it exists in a social realm in uh, electronic social realm versus a face to face. So when we're doing our revolutionary work and we're getting, and we're adding social media as a component to what we do, we have to realize that it's an added component. It is not a replacement. 
and we can't allow the virtual world to become a replacement for how the reality how, how reality is governed. And that'll be a whole new construct of of, of uh, liberation fighting, where it'll be a liberation of the mind and and our virtual our, our, our construct of our virtual mind replacing the physical mind. So we have to make sure we safeguard against where things are potentially be heading in terms of that. But when people gravitate toward a certain type of science, a certain type of way of life, that a lot of times, especially from an economic standpoint, starts redefining who we are, what we are, and how we're going to deal with with day-to-day life. And so we also have to be on safeguard and try to fight against that because our liberation also applies to how things are viewed in the virtual world and how we absorb and realize and, and see our consciousness in the virtual world. And that lies part of the problem because a lot of people think that because they have such an influence on the social media realm that they deem themselves to be an important contributor to our liberation struggle, not realizing the fact that, you know, you sound biting, tad bidding, and cutting and pasting information from those people that have put in the physical hard work and labor is not the same thing. And so you may be making people aware of a actual uh, uh, social ill. You are not solving the problem through a social media realm. You don't solve uh, police brutality through social media. You can't. You physically have to get on the ground. You physically have to deal with those people that are, are physically abusing our people from day to day. A bullet is not something that can be handled in a social media realm. When, you, when a brother gets shot or a sister gets shot on the street in regards to uh, a brutality or in regards to racism, there's a very limited amount of things you can do in terms of addressing that through social media other than exposure, other than exposure and, and, and possibly assisting with galvanization of people to actually physically deal with the issue hand in hand. Wow. I love I love the part. I want to reiterate, and we're talking to our national chief of staff, Brother War. Um, I, but I love I want to reiterate the point that you made. I thought it was excellent that social media is a tool, is a component of the liberation struggle for the African here in America. And it is not the replacement. Um, Brother War, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to um, 216-9101. This is Chairman Carr. Chairman Carr, your mic is open. Black Power, comrade. Black Power. Uh, that's right on uh, point. Social uh, media is a tool uh, we use. When we talk about technology, one of the things we left out, ideology is greater than technology. Uh, there have been many wars that fought when the enemy, we're talking about Vietnamese and the African continent, where the European had all the technology. But the people had the ideology because they understood what they were fighting for. They understood their survival depended upon that. The masses of people are not equal. The leadership just don't know how to go into the classroom and organize and teach the masses of people. And I'm saying that from Facebook to in your face. One of the things that I like about what is happening with the media, and uh, uh, I have been you. People have blessed me on the media, but guess what? It's a good thing when you're doing good work. It's a bad thing. If you're a pastor and you ain't doing nothing, you're going to show up. If you're a pastor and you're doing something, you're going to show up. 
So all the technology that the enemy have, and they come and walk in my staff, on from Facebook to then they face and, and the people face and organize. So whatever they throw out, if we are undercover pastor and we dealing with the immoral activities, uh, uh, we are dealing uh, a pastor uh, in the day and a tiger at night. Oh, it's gonna be showing up. But as long as he's walking straight up and standing on our post in a perfect manner, all these technologies, that's all they can show. And they can try to twist it in every way they want to twist it. But when the masses of the people know who you are, there have not been a leader that I known and read about. The Honorable Michael Messiah Garvey said when they created TV, he said, oh, this is going to be a dangerous threat to the Negro race. And he was right, because he was alive today. He see how that technology have grown. There have not been a leader that the technology of the Europeans have to slander. They slander even the president of the United States. They slander King. They slander Malcolm. Uh, any leaders that have uh, come up, that technology is that European tool to slander. And once we understand this technology, then we got to understand our ideology. Our, our, our ideology is stronger than the technology. Why? Because we work with the people face-to-face, hand-to-hand, we walk block-to-block, reading our people, we saluting our people, we're not sitting in the office, we're not intellectualizing this, we hand-to-hand with the people. Now, I'm going to end this by saying this. It's one thing I love, and uh, I definitely appreciate, definitely, man, when y'all came to Cleveland, man, and uh, spend those days, uh, with the family, and I, I appreciate that. That family love that communication. But the one thing I remember, a the U.S. soldier went to a Vietnamese uh, woman and said, who is your general? And she said, the aunt in the Quran. She said, the aunt. She said, what do you mean the aunt? She said, the aunt uh, general. They drop all type of bombs on Vietnam. All type of bombs, but they couldn't destroy them. Why? Because they had a hospital on the ground. They had a military on the ground. They had a school on the ground because they learned something. Technology cannot be ideology. And so we get our people with ideology, we are fight. But as long as we look at that ideology coming from technology, we're going to be just like... Uh, Star Wars. But we ain't dealing with Star Wars. Ideology is the primary lead of the day. When our people get the proper ideology, we're going to survive here. But we ain't got it, and that's why we float in the media. We float on all these tools. We listen to all these fake scholars and these fake doctors. We listen to all of this stuff. Once we get the ideology of uh, revolutionary black nationalism, we'll organize the masses, man. I'm sitting in the community right now, sitting right out front of my house, man, looking. Man, you know how much energy going down these streets, man, to these people, man, these homes, these backyards, all the energy that is out here? We got to know how to cultivate that energy. So 
that's my, you know, saying on it, man, that, uh, uh, I got one more thing to say before I leave, though. Uh, Dick Gregory said this, man, and it made a lot of sense. He said, uh, he had a white boy that built a computer that do everything. I hope the listeners is listening. I hope the audience is listening. So Dick Gregory said, uh, this white boy had a computer that do everything. So he said, I don't want to put it out yet. He said, Dick, I want you to see it. So he said, okay, on my, my way to the house. And I stopped by there and see it. On the way to the house, he seen one of his friends called Jabbo. Jabbo was drunk. He said, oh, man, I can't leave Jabbo. I get mad for him. So he put Jabbo in the car. He said, Jabbo, before I take you home, I got to stop by this house. Because this guy got this, this computer that can do everything. Everything. So uh, he pulled up in the house. He walked in. The white boy showed him the computer, working the computer. Jabbo walked in and unplugged the computer. Then a dick regular turned the white boy and said, uh, could the computer plug itself back up? Now, that's the end of my conversation. We got a mind that stay plugged. All that technology can be unplugged. Black power. Black power, right on. I think, and thank you for that, uh, for the, for contributing that to Chairman Carr. And there's a lot of sense in that, you know. But in, in, in this day and time of technology, in this so-called information age, I think that, you know, one of the things we have to start looking at is using it responsibly. Here's my thing. Um, I, You know, what concerns me with social media is like I'm like you always hear me talking about on the show, brothers and sisters. You constantly hear me say is the rhetoric and sensationalism. Rhetoric and sensationalism. Yes, the people need a victory. We need a victory, and we need to see victories, and we need to see us standing courageous and strong and tall and proud and all these beautiful, wonderful images that come across our Facebook. But this question is to the audience and to you too, Chief War. You chime in, and to someone presses one. And wants to come in. Does this send a false sense of advancement? Does this give the impression that we have achieved gains that we haven't achieved? You know, with all the, you know, when we look at the images out there, brother, of us standing tall, see you later, man, of us standing tall with the rifles and waving the flags and a couple feeding programs, and we're not even going to say programs, we've had that discussion before, Chief, feeding projects. That we have. Does this give the false sense of achievement in areas that we haven't even made? Not only want to say a footstep, but a t- but a tiptoe. I would say yes, it has. And again, it goes back to our perception of reality. Reality is what we perceive it to be. And if someone engulfs a lot of going back to what you mentioned, and when you said about how information overload, when so much of what I get in terms of my information comes from social media and I'm dealing with um, feeds from social media that project a, per, a, a certain persona, I'm only getting a minor part of the reality of what's really going on. Like, for instance, you can have someone create a web page, a fictitious web page in regards to, hey, I'm a chapter, I'm, I'm a Panther chapter in, in, in two, you know, Timbuktu. 
and we got 100 soldiers, and I can craft an image with 100 Panthers uh, standing on the front line, uh, photoshopping in front of a, a particular, you know, environment, and, and make it appear as though we really got this going on. And then people, because, again, if this is what they're being exposed to, and because we're not so hands-on and, and on the ground now, then what will happen is they have built a reality based upon an uh, 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 illusion of what really is happening and what really is. And so when I come into contact with this one or two individuals that first created a personification on, virtual, on a virtual environment that they actually are a hundred strong, then I go to them, you know, feeling like I'm on, you know, they on top of the world. And I give them more credit and I give them more accountability than they have really ever earned or shown. And so from that standpoint, I build this false sense of awareness and I create this position of me granting leadership ability to somebody who is really not a leader, but created facade on social media. And I ran with it. And it happens all the time. Somebody can create a post and other people repost that post and it's not even real information. It's not even factual information. And before you know it, it just runs rampant and runs wild. And even going into one of the things I want to mention that Chairman uh, Kahar talked about is there has been there is a major disconnect between the youth and our elders, and that goes back to what he, when he was talking about the ideology, Panther ideology, because a lot of people are utilizing social media as how they receive their introduction into um, basic 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 uh, community organizing, and again that goes back to the fact that a web page or a website or a social media site will pre can present something and make it all seem perfect. They can create this perfect page that makes you think that it is this easy, it's this is happening now, and this is what we do. And it's a one-sided, based one-sided illusion view of what really needs to happen and what really needs to go on in terms of social or I mean, in terms of organizing in the community. You can't really grasp a full concept of what it means to be a community organizer if all you have is social media as your your means of, of getting involved and in getting in into activism in the community. Creates a, a full false awareness of what really is going on. And that's why, again, I refer back to that and talking about uh, it being that virtual world. That virtual world and the reality in which we really live in are two totally different things. But because somebody is trapped in that in, in engulfed in that lifestyle, they form a false sense of of reality based upon their perception. And so when they step out and to do real works or in, encounter real people that are actually doing something, then they're in a paradox and they're mind blown. And so then a lot of times they run back to that social media because they've been overexposed. They've been bombarded with the reality of what really it really takes to do work. And so that's why we have such a gap in terms of a lot of times in terms of the age groups between those people that are actually out there in the community and those people that are spending majority of their time doing their quote-unquote social work through social media. Hmm. Man. Absolutely. Let's let Chairman Carr chime back into this conversation. Chairman Carr, your mic is open. Yeah, uh, Chief of Staff Ward dropped the bomb, bro. I'm saying 
dropped the bomb back. It was just, just uh, the day out, uh, man, the first lady put up a service station. And the brother was playing some James Brown. Drove in his truck. He took her back. And I wound the window down. I said, hey, man, you think computer? Walked over to me. He said, brother, I told you. Yeah. Man, this little brother called Hank, man. He was one of the best speed of fighters. You got And we had a good talk, a good greeting. Thinking that the war was sick. All of these schools and those survivors is coming out. War was saying they're so, they're so correct. Number one, we got to be careful. Because we so we are uh, we are at war, and the worst thing that uh, 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 called genocide is when people don't know they're at war, and this stuff is to slave at any given time, through their food, through their school, through their communities, through the rules and regulations that set up, isolate them, get them out of their home and everything, and they think they're being evicted, they think the food is bad, no. There's a war going on, and what uh, what the war was saying that is totally, totally correct. One is that the program that's set up coming on social media, we got to be careful because that program called counterintelligence, and I appreciate that title. Why? It ain't called counterintelligence because they know we ain't. Equal. They call counterintelligence. So they got to counter our intelligence leadership uh, in the movement. They got to counter our intelligence leadership in our organization. So one of the things come up, they will come up with this organization. You get Panther chapter started here, the Panther this, the Panther that, the Panther this, the Panther that. And half of the members are police and maybe one or two members. Uh, regular brothers and sisters get caught in the trap because there's a, a spider car well to draw the righteous in so they can get that on. So this is why it's so important that we have to look at, this ain't the 60s, this ain't the Black Beret days, leather jacket and, and uh, uh, powder blue shirts, uh, pants and boots and such shoes walking down the street shedding black power. This is the day when Donald Trump declared war on the liberation movement and American and immigrants. The code name immigrant means Africa. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but uh, you know, but war dropped the man. So we have to be careful. We use social media and on point for war. We the use and our best ability, but uh, when the lights blow out, we still got our relationship with the people, still have a relationship with our uh, our formation in other cities. We still know how to communicate. If it ain't by phone, we get in the car, we make that communication. Then it's coming down to that point right now. I'm telling you, man, our liberation movement is not going to be televised. Black power. Black power. 
Right on. I think that, um, and absolutely, I agree with Chief War too. A lot of the what's going on has killed us, and it leads us, gives us that false sense of, of like I said, advancing or making a, you know, making some advancements or empowering in areas or having programs in areas that we really don't have it. And anytime people are led, led into a false sense of security, they allow themselves to be open. Your defenses go down. And that's, and that's you know, and that's a terrible thing. So what happens at this point, though, brothers and sisters? And then again, let me give the call out. Let's give our call sign. This is the People's Black Panther Party, Independence Black Talk Radio. I'm your host, Chairman Yang and Krumah. We have our national chief of staff, Brother Warren, and giving some good contribute, uh, contributing greatly to um, to this conversation. And if you'd like to come in and contribute, give your comments, opinions, please press one. We'll recognize you. Um, one of the things, though, is let's look at some solutions. Let's talk about some solutions that us as African people have to have here in, in America. One of the things I do like that I see coming out um, is that we're starting to develop, we're beginning to take things a little more serious. We have formations out there and brothers and sisters out there that are beginning to do checks on some of these claims, on some of the things that we profess, and not only warning the community in a lot of instances, but exposing things that could have the potential to be very dangerous to our advancement and to our formations. Is it time for us as a people to begin to develop some type of intelligence intelligence department, some type of Congress or something that has rules and regulations and checks and balances, or do we wait for the uh, uh, the FCC and other entities to develop these things like you were talking about earlier, War? Is it is do you think the time is ripe now for us to begin that, that process and that procedure? Well, I, I want to say when you say the time is now, I think the time was yesterday or the day before. We <laughs> right on. understanding that we're supposed to have a, a holistic approach just to how we operate, how we organize ourselves. It's like I want to say is just think of a, a basic self-defense concept. There's no way that you can defend yourself against something unless you prepare for it. And so from that standpoint, in order for me to prepare for a defense, then I need to guide intelligence. Give it to give it a, a, a basic perspective that a lot of people relate to. I don't myself, but a lot of people relate to. And just think about a football game. When you want to analyze the other team so that you can know what plays will work or, or how to position your players, so to speak, what do you do? You get intel. And so, why is it that everything understands the use of intel except the liberation movement? Intel applies across the board to anything that you want to do. Anytime we want to research something, I mean, anytime we want to be effective in something, we must research it and study for it and study about it. And so I think that the fact that we don't have the proper intel in the movement now just goes right back to, you know, uh, lack of, 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 of hard, dedicated work that it, really, that it really would take in order to progress and move ourselves forward. And, again, I think that's part of the disconnect because it's so easy to just get on social media and form a composite of what I really am versus who I really am. And so we take the easy route and we take the easy path and understand the basic physics, things take the the path of least resistance. And so we have to get back into the mode of of accepting the fact that there's going to take hard, dedicated work to make things happen. 
And that's what we have to do. So our intelligence gathering has to go back to the become back a part of the forefront of what we do. And when we gather intelligence, it's, it's for so many different reasons from the standpoint of being able to be a more effective organizer. You know, so we use that information to be better uh better in terms of all aspects of our operation. So we take this intelligence, we dissect it, and we say, well, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to move left, not right, we need to move faster this way, or we need to utilize more resources over here, we need to improve our economics. The whole point is that we have to be able to be well-versed in all aspects of what it's going to take to move ourselves away from the conditions we are. Because what we face nowadays is not a one-sided perspective in terms of being victimized and being oppressed as a people. Oppression has hit us from every corner, every aspect, and every all the way around. And so we can't be two-dimensional in a, in, a, in, a, in a three and four D world and expect to have any lasting results or any real results or real victories. And so it only makes sense that we, we have to be more studious and we have to be willing to do the, the true work that it's going to take to move us to a greater level of, of, of empowerment. And when we say empowerment, that's what, that's what it's going to require. It requires these basic tools to be put into place. That's what I love about our mechanism system. It requires us to do just that. And so that with the People's Black Panther Party, our whole position is to make sure we create a curriculum that Panthers learn and absorb so that they know how to be effective in the community. And intelligence is one of them, falling on our informational mechanism. Right on. Right on. Let's go to our phone lines and get 619-8019. Your mic is open. Uh, hey, you guys. This is uh, Sister Latrice uh, calling um, on behalf of the San Diego Black Party. I'm doing good. Um, I just wanted to piggyback off um, – what uh, Brother Ward just said, and um, give him kudos because my place and 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 my ideologies and methodologies in the party come directly from him because he trained me. Okay, so um, he's he's absolutely right. And I, as far as solutions go, I really think we have to take a step back and take it take it back to the base. Revel, uh, activism and revolutionaries bring out a lot of weird people okay from from all different walks of life and you can really walk into this and like he said make yourself seem to be whoever you want to be you know and um before you can bring somebody into your fold they have to be properly vetted and everyone already in your fold if you haven't done it you need to go back and do it again and if we do not do that, then we're, we're placing everything that we're doing at risk. It's not the it's not the government's job to to uh, provide us with this information. We need to do our own due diligence for ourselves. Um, if not, we you know you you open yourself to all kinds of things, whether it be uh, counterintelligence, you know, um, infiltrators. Uh, you know, just uh, criminals and, and, and things like that. So I, as far as a solution on how do we get back there, we have to go back and and, and properly vet everyone from, um, from the beginning. And, that, and just because, of, you know, what we have gone through here lately, um, 
you know, I guess I can speak to this a little differently. And I don't care what a person tells you they've done. I don't care if they can split the tent it's a 10-point platform off the top in the nine objectives off the top of their head. They can know the history, African history, you know, dating back to the 1600s. That does not mean they, you know, that they, that they mean this, this uh, revolution any good. You know, hell, atheists know the Bible better than Christians do. You know, so we have to keep we have to keep that in mind when, when when new people are coming into the fold that you know you need to be properly vetted and and lastly, um, you know I'm I'm minister of intelligence for for our party and um, that's something that I take very seriously, you know, based off the things that Brother War trained me, and um, you know sometimes you have to. Like you said, unplug away from social media and what this person is presenting or, you know, what a group is presenting and pick up the phone sometimes, you know, and actually reach out to people. And um, I have made so many connections within the past two weeks, and it had nothing to do with social media. Um, You know, it was face-to-face conversations, phone conversations, you know, and establishing that rapport um, outside of social media. And, you know, more work was able to get done in the past two weeks than it has in the past six months uh, just because we, we picked up the phone, you know, and some great things are coming out of these, uh, these, these new form relationships. So it, it, and also as far as social media goes, we just have to have a balance. You can't completely ignore social media because that's your youth and you can't completely ignore the old school way because that's our elders. So it has to be a, it's a very fine line in between the two and that needs to be uh, addressed as well. Listen, I'm glad, and I'm glad I have you on here, uh, Sister Minister, because this is a good question. This is directed to you. Coming out of San Diego, the San Diego um, Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, which we know was founded also affectionately known as the original San Diego, uh, original Black Panther Party for Self-Defense out of San Diego, having their chairman being one of, in the People's Black Panther Party, we call it third development because we go through the developments, and maybe we'll have a show on that, but having one of the, for the sake of commonality and the common usage of of verbiage, of language, I'll say original, um, we have their chairperson, their chairman, uh, Chairman Trinnell, is an original Panther member. How do you find how do you blend and mix the two coming from having your chairperson being an original and you being in this new wave of the information age and the use of social media and internet how is that blending coming across do you find it difficult is it you know is it easy how is that meshing up um it's it's not hard and 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 I won't say it's 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 because of anything other than him being who he is um his personality is not one where, hey, I know everything. You know, he's willing to learn from from us being younger than him the same way we are willing to learn from him. So it's one of those things to where if it's something that he's not uh, up to speed on, you know, because he still has a flip phone, you know, then in that area he knows that we're more um, – we have more information on that and we know how to handle that arena better than him. You know, when it comes to the uh, old school ideology or, or should, should I say methodologies, he, uh, we shut up and listen. 
you know, so when, when, when he's talking and he's telling us, well, you know, this is how we used to do things or, you know, things like that, we listen. We, you know, it's not a, oh, well, that's not how we do it anymore. We listen. And um, when it comes to technology, he don't know what he's talking about, so he listens. And, you know, sometimes he may not agree or whatever, and or we may not agree, but, you know, there's always some type of compromise. And, you know, we, we talk our way through those things because one thing you cannot do um, when you come from either era, era is ignore the other, you know, because um, there's, there's, a, there's a, a natural ignorance on both sides just for the simple fact that we weren't raised in that time. So, you know, there's times where I'll have to tell him, well, you know, I'd explain to him what a screenshot was, you know, and um, or Photoshop. He didn't know what these things were. So, um, you know, I, I mentioned to him, I said, oh, well, such and such said that it was screen Photoshop. And he said, what is that? I said, that's where, you, you know, you manipulate a photo. He didn't know what that was. So if you ignore if if you're an elder and you ignore the new era, you know, back in the day when you took a picture. There was no way to edit it or, you know, so on and so forth. So if you took a picture, you would look at that and you would say that that was factual, right? Okay, well, now in today's age, you know, that's not the case. So if he sees a picture and he says, okay, well, that's factual based off of what he knows from his time, and I'm telling him, well, no, Brother Trinnell, that's not real. You know, you can see that that was Photoshopped or whatever. You know, so there's something to be learned from both eras, and you have to be willing to listen and 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 learn something from from both eras. You you can't go into this with a I know everything or a um I can't be taught anything or because you're from the new era or you're new to this that I can't learn anything from you or you can't teach me anything. You know, um I haven't been in this as long as probably anybody on this telephone right now. However, I think within the past 2 weeks you know, I have proven myself to to bring something to the table that the elders either could not or did not. You know, so you there has to be a respect there that you you can learn from both sides, and that's how we get through this because we we learn from each other. Okay, okay. Listen, can I, I how how much can I put you in the hot seat? Yeah, go ahead. I'm ready. <laughs> I've been in the hot seat for two weeks. I'm good. All right. So, um, the hot seat, we already, I think a lot of people are privy to what's going on. I mean, you have a popular page, uh, and everyone knows about the thing, so I won't reiterate or go into detail about what's going on, but um, how much backlash did you catch from the way that certain individuals were brought out and what would and and what was you know um do you feel that it was um the right way to go about it how did how do you guys feel about it yeah, okay backlash um i think i received personally more backlash than um than the actual party did and um and, you know, some days that bothers me and some days that doesn't. But what it comes down to is, you know, 
I was put into the position of Minister of Intelligence. Like I said, that's something I take very seriously. So when I'm given a task, you know, I'm going to do my due diligence and whatever it is that you're asking me, I'm going to come back to you with, 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 my, with an answer, with a full investigation in my findings. Okay, so um, we decided to go the social media route on this, not in a very detailed way, but in a vague way, and here's why. Um, in San Diego, this situation is a little bit more unique to us than it is to some of the or- other organizations because that, for other organizations, that was a problem of the past. Okay, it's a problem in the present for San Diego because this, this, uh, this threat still exists in San Diego. So all, while somebody, you know, in Texas or somebody in Atlanta, New Jersey, can just, uh, you know, take heed to the information and say, okay, well, if he come this way, we know what to do, then they may not need to put that on social media. However, when this person is still living in your city and around your youth and around your women, then you cannot just relay that information in between formations, in between chapters, because then you leave out the rest of the city. Okay, in San Diego, you have, um, ever since the, the murder of Alfred Alongo, you've had maybe about 30 pop-up um, activist organizations. Now, these are all organizations that we work with. They work with us. So if I give this information to just Panther formations or Panther char- chapters, then guess what I did not do? I did not do my justice or uphold my oath to my community to protect them. So it was a decision that we went back and forth with on how to handle this, and it was like, no, we shouldn't do that. Yes, we shouldn't do And being that we are just now reactivating, the last thing you want to do is deceive your community, okay? Because let's say, for instance, a woman was raped or a child was hurt or something like that, they're not going to say, oh, this individual raped or hurt this person. They're going to come back and say, oh, a San Diego Black Panther did it. So we have to put our entire community on alert because there's been, you know, he, uh, there's been women that have, have given rides alone, invited them into, you know, him into their home. So how can we how can we protect our community if we can't even be transparent with them as embarrassing as it was, as, um, you know, the backlash received, it was okay. Because, uh, one thing about the truth is you don't have to like it, but you have to respect it. So you may not like how we went about it. And I'm, you know, I'm speaking in general, uh, you know, they might not like how we went about it, but you have to respect the truth and the fact that regardless of how it made us look, we were willing to be completely transparent. And, and outside of the backlash from a few, we have gained the trust of the entire community now because they know that, you know, we're not out here holding the police accountable and the government accountable and everybody else, but we're not willing to hold our own selves accountable. They know that we swept around our own front door first. So it actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because, not only were we able to address this situation, relationships were formed out of this that would have never been formed. You know, we could have went another 10, 20 years without, um, you know, some type of consortium between, uh, between formations and chapters. 
you know, all that came from a phone call, but it all came be, be, uh, as a result of this. So um, you're going to have people on both sides of the fence that feel that this wasn't the way for it to be handled and this was the way for it to be handled. But outside of us taking um, flyers and posting them on every on every telephone pole, you know, within a city the size of, you know, the size of San Diego, how else were we supposed to uh, get this word out to the community so now they can, can be on alert? You know, so like I said, social media does have its benefit, fine line, but to just share that information amongst formations and amongst chapters would not have done our city any justice, and I think that would have been damaging to our relationship with the community. Interesting. And we and I thank you for allowing me to ask that question and being so candid. Listen, I know we're only going to have our chief of staff with us for a little longer. Ward, did you want to say something before? I know you have other um, business to handle. Would you like to share something with us? I would just uh, want to also uh, jump back on what she's saying. Uh, I agree with her in, in, in her mythology in terms of what they what had to, has to be done uh, with social media. So from that standpoint, it was used to express and get the word out fast. And see, the thing, the thing we have to realize in regards to social media, the same way information is projected and pushed out there in terms of overloading us with, with false information, we have to also be able to uh, counter that by providing positive and insightful information for the community. And so from that standpoint, what the San Diego chapter did was something that was a a, a tough move, but like she said, it had to be made. And so from that standpoint, what you what you learn when you step into the arena of being a panther is that we have obligations. And whether those obligations are, are in the favor, you know, of, of the average person or not, the point being it's all about being servant. It's all about being a positive, progressive servant to the community and making sure that we have the community's best interests at heart, whether they like it or not. And and that's the hard uh, pill to swallow with that, because a lot of times the information we have to provide, uh, have to provide, and the things we have to bring to people hurt their feelings. But in the end, it's for their own good. It serves to it serves to protect the community. It serves to protect our people. It serves to inform our people. You know, and it's no different than a lot of times with the uh, Black Panther newspaper back in the days. Some of the things we had to hit the the community with was hard. And and people a lot of times you know wanted to keep operating with blinders on, but nonetheless we have to we have to be uh, you know the truth slayers. So we have to bring bring things out, and oftentimes that do create a position to where we have our backs against the wall. But that's part of what the you know what we take when we decide that we're going to organize in the community and we're going to be servants to the people. And that's just across the board as any grassroots organization goes. We understand that. Those are one of the things you deal with when you deal with, again, uh, the physical reality of where we are. So physical realities cause you to have to make hard, tough decisions that are not necessarily favorable to the, to the masses at, at, at all times. But nonetheless, it's for the best interest of the people. And so I applaud you, sister, for, for accepting that, um, that, that, that role and realizing that. Well, I was taught by one of the best, so <laughs> I, I thank you for that because, you know, I don't, even when I was in the hospital and, you know, I was going through training on the, you know, on uh, 
you know, via FaceTime, video chat. You know, I, every word that you said, I, I internalized it. I, I clung to it, and I tried to apply that um, to not only my life, but uh, my role as a pastor. So um, I, I do want to publicly thank you um, for the training that, that I received from you because I honestly think that um, that played an intricate part in me being able to successfully um, handle this situation as Minister of Intelligence. Awesome, awesome, and 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 I'm sure it's and I'm sure it's difficult. Again, you're listening to People's Black Panther Party, um, Independence Black Talk Radio. I'm your your host, National Chairman Yang and Kruma, getting some um, contribution from a lot of listeners. We have our dear National Chief of Staff, Brother Warren, who um, I believe only has a few more minutes with us, if if that at all. If you do, War, just let me. I'll leave your mic open until you have to go, man. Chime in at any time you feel ready. Let's go to the phone lines again. I believe Chairman Kahar wants to come back in and have a uh, have a have a comment. Chairman Kahar. Uh, yeah, uh, the comment is that I, I want to put this to all all of the pastors, all of the pastors, because we could be all be different. We must not forget our pastors for the prison. Those who came before us, uh, I'm on the road, man. We just went up the railroad track. Uh, our political prisoners, those who are in prison now, uh, those who are out, and I think Fidel Castro, when he was fly, but not let them take our sister from Cuba. I appreciate the brothers and sisters in Africa who not let them take our political prisoners. We talk about the past, and we don't talk about the past. We don't talk about those who were kidnapped and those who were put in prison. To be a to be a founder. You gotta let brothers and sisters know that as you're going down, you got a support committee. You got some type of law firm, you got some type of support committee. Because we coming in, we standing up against this white supremacist, the fascist government, we going down. So I'm just saying this. Most of the radio program, you gotta find a political prisoner, and our prisoner won't come out my two the 
what what some of us affectionately call the original, we call the third development because we understand how we understand the concept and accept the concept of the first development being Lowndes County, Alabama under Fannie Lou Hammer, the second uh, being that of uh, New York and San Francisco, the third being that of Oakland, California under, um, under Huey P. Newton. And one of the reasons we do this is to not forget our political prisoners and our freedom fighters. You know, and that's and that is super super important. So we definitely appreciate that contribution, Chairman Kahar. But you know, when we talk about, I want to get back on the social media aspect because right now this is the phenomena. This is the thing going on. This social media. This is the thing that, like our national chief of staff so adequately said, that when you have these people putting up pages and they're cutting and pasting and all this sensationalism, it looks like that we're achieving gains that we're not actually achieving, moves us into a false sense of security. And with that, you begin or we begin as a African people here in America to allow our defenses to become lackadaisical. We let them down. And when our defenses are down, then we're open or, or, or you know, we're open to any type of any type of attack. So we go into the thing of, and the question, and it's for anyone out there, you know, to chime in, press one if you like to come in, if you like to have a say. But the question is the use of social media. And even if, um, and I think our sister minister, uh, Latrice, of the original Sandy, original Black Panther Party, San Diego, can handle some hot seats. If you have questions to ask why they did it. Now, let us remember that this is a family show. And that on this show, we promote and encourage black unification. So we won't have the back and forth. I will mute your mic. And you know that as, you know, Brother Yanga never does that. But I won't have the back and forth. But if you have questions, comments, opinions about the use of social media, about that particular issue without going into detail about the specifics, but use of the questions about the use of social media, feel free to chime in and press one. Um and then we may possibly entertain that. But the the use of social media, um, Sister Minister, since I still have your mic open, let's ask you, I, I pose the same question to you that I asked a national chief of staff. Detrimental or beneficial to the black liberation struggle? Uh, I don't think it's, it's either detrimental or beneficial. Uh, you know, it's like I said, it's a fine line. Um, I, uh, I'll give you an example of it, of it being beneficial. Um, when Alfred Alongo was murdered in San Diego, I was an hour away in Murrieta, California. And, um, I was, I was, uh, I was, in, I was going to head down to San Diego later on that day, but I had some things to do up there. So I was on Facebook and I, and I got a notification that a friend of mine was, went live. Okay. She was live at the murder scene um, before his body was even removed. And, you know, she's crying and she's screaming. And, you know, uh, you had a, a couple people, they're yelling at the cops, the cops yelling back at them. Okay. Within the matter, a matter of three hours, uh, they're about 500 deep out there at the crime scene, you know, protesting and so on and so forth. Now, without social media, Awareness to that situation would have never even um, 
have came to that situation. It would have been swept under the news. It would have been a small blurb about it on the on the local news that night. And, the, you know, the media would have had a chance to spin it however they wanted to spin it. And the community wouldn't have been the wiser because social media didn't exist. But because social media did exist, they were out there telling us their story. Okay, now I'll give you several other exist, uh, examples. Tamir Rice, uh the boy that was just killed in, in uh, Arcadia, California, um, by the undercover, uh, not undercover, the uh, plainclothes police officer, off-duty police officer, um, the, uh, Sandra Bland, all these situations, Eric Garner, we never would have even known that they existed. And what I need for our elders to realize is out of the, the ashes of each one of these uh, catastrophes, comes an activist, comes a revolutionary, comes a panther. You understand what I'm saying? So um, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing because what is happening is there's a paradigm shift with our, with our young people, okay? Um, they're seeing these things happen, and they're, they're watching it on social media, and you have so many that are now reaching out, and they want to be involved because, you know, they realize this of the issue. They would have never have gotten that if it wasn't for social media. The only problem that I have with social media, well, the two problems that I have with social media is one, that um, because of social media, you open yourself to be monitored. Um, once you put something out there in the, in the, uh, in, in the in, uh, WWW atmosphere, it can't be taken away. It can be screenshotted. It can be manipulated. It can, uh, you know, photos are being manipulated, so on and so forth. So, um, you know, that, those are the things that are detrimental. However, what I try to stress to people who seek information from social media is whether it's an article that you read or whether it's, um, you know, a, a personal situation. Do your due diligence and seek the knowledge for yourself. You know how many times Betty White has been killed on Facebook? You know, you see these rest in peace posts or Bill Cosby or whoever. But then when you go to look for the for an actual source, it's not people believed it. Why? Because people are not seeking information for themselves. So there, uh, there has to be a bridge between the two eras of communication. And you have to look at it and say, well, do the pros outweigh the cons? And in my opinion, the pros do outweigh the cons. I just think there needs to be education that goes along with social media so people aren't easily fooled, so people can do their own due diligence. If I say that the the sky is blue, don't take my word for it. Duck your head outside and look and see if it's blue for yourself. You know, there's there's a lot of things to be learned, but social media is never the only source of anything. So if, if I can only find it on social media, then that's questionable. You know, there's, uh, that, that would never only be your only source of the truth. If I say something online and you can't look it up or investigate it for yourself or pick up a phone and call someone else and confirm, then that's questionable. But a lot of people are not doing that. You know, they're, they're taking information from a source that they consider to be credible or a person they consider to be credible, and they run with it. You know, TMZ just a couple weeks ago uh, reported that this one lady was dead, 
and she wasn't dead. She didn't keep that, but it was probably about three weeks later, you know. Um, so, but people were distraught about that, you know, all these rest in peace posts and people were sharing it, so on and so forth. But that comes from lack of education. That comes from people not seeking information for themselves. So um, I think it's more beneficial. People just need to be smarter about how they use social media. That's right. I'm sorry, my phone. I couldn't get my phone off mute. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what War and I were talking about. Chief War and I were talking about earlier was about um, the lack of responsibility and accountability, and how because we're behind these computer monitors and we have shied away from or come away from actual social interaction, the physical, the face-to-face, something you had said earlier, which I agree with, the physically meeting, the making phone calls and the meeting outside of Facebook and inbox and all that has given people, um, I think that we've lost that sense of connectedness, that we've lost that sense of, you know, brotherhood and sisterhood. And so, when we go in, and this is not, you know, addressing any of that thing that's going on now um, um, with, with, with uh, social media now with San Diego, but in a lot of instances, and I have been a victim of, I've been Facebook attacked, and the maliciousness and the vehemence that was just, the savagery that was sent towards me was just unbelievable. It was astonishing. I had no idea, and I know this person personally. I mean, to read to read some of the things that was posted about me and went on about me, you would have never thought that this person and I ever had any interaction. But I think that they were emboldened, one, because they know I couldn't put my hands around their throat. Now, I'm just teasing, just teasing, feds. I'm nonviolent to people that are nonviolent to me. But, you, but the, I think they were emboldened by the fact that it was that distance and it was – that um, a, a monitor, you know, that it was so impersonal and it was just easy to put all that stuff out there at the click of a button or the type of some keys. Do you find that, would you agree with that or disagree with that? Do you find that it has made us very impersonal and almost has raised us to a, a more savage level in dealing with our disagreements or at, at coming at people? Have you found that to even be towards you? Uh, yes, I would say that uh, along with social media becomes a you it it does uh, enable people to have a a complete passive aggressive um, nature. You know whether it be you know you see article it might be about whatever and and then all these racists come out of the woodwork um, saying things that they know damn well they wouldn't say to a black person in, in you know in their face. Um, yeah, I, I, I do honestly think that because um, just, you know, from some of the things that I've experienced in these past couple weeks, um, you know, it's like you, um, I received a phone call and um, the person wouldn't hear me out. However, they, tuned, they turned to social media and, you know, had a lot to say. I'm like, you, I just talked to you, and you didn't say any of those things. And furthermore, you probably could have saved yourself the embarrassment if you would have heard me out, you know, but quick to hang up the phone, you know, in a personal one-on-one thing, but then take to Facebook for the attention, 
and um, and that I see that a lot of people seek from social media is they use it as a platform to um, to reach the masses in in handling things that they don't honestly know how to handle um, in person, and it creates a, a complete social awkwardness within a lot of people. It's like you're socially awkward, and um, you have to be able to conduct yourself in both. To, to, to not be social media savvy in 2017 is not a good thing. Whether you decide right. to use it or not. You can, even if you decide that you never want to open a social media account in your life, you still need to know how it works. You still need to know um, the importance of it. When You still need to know the terminology. Even if you just go on there and you don't ever say anything and you just read. You still need to know what's out there. You know, um, the same way with, uh, like Brother Wolf said, you know, when you have surrounded yourself with uh, a certain demographic, what you do is you you get that information overload. Okay, so if I have friends list of 700 activists, and that's all I have on my on my friends list, then that's an information overload in that aspect because I'm not seeing I'm not seeing what the people, what the hood thinks, what the streets think, what they're going through. You know what I'm seeing everything from the eyes of, of a revolutionary and that is not a good thing. Because then now I have lost touch with my community. So right. if you're going to be um involved in social media, you have to uh, you have to know your ways around it. On my friends list, I have everything from from uh, revolutionaries, activists, doctors, lawyers, pimps, you know, prostitutes, and the whole nine. And the reason why is because I'm not going to shun that 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 uh, you know that person on the street, that homeless person, that homeless veteran, or whoever on my friends list because I need to know what's going on in the streets because. I can't help you if I am attacked from you. If I'm right. attacked, if I'm detached from you, I can't help you. You know, so um, outside of being out there on the street, the best way to know what's going on in the street is to surround yourself with a little bit of everybody. It's a balance, and you have to have that balance, whether it be in social media versus non-social media, your lifestyle, whatever. Um, you just need to have. Absolutely. Listen, let me say this. And Chairman Kahar, I see you and we're going to get to you. But let me say this. And, and I usually don't use my radio program for this platform, but I just received someone just slipped me something that one of my ministers, a dear minister to me, Minister Khadija, my, my internet liaison, my assistant, feels like that someone is going to come after her. And I'm slightly offended because whoever's in her ear, some sucker is in her ear telling her that her chairman is going to allow them to come out there. Let me say this from me, from Yanga. And those that know Yanga know I don't play. I don't do Internet. I don't do Facebook. I do the real deal. If you come after my minister, I will get you. I'm not going to come after you. I'm going to get you. And if I find out you the sucker, putting stuff in her ear, like I have some suspicions, but if I find out you the sucker putting stuff in her ear, I'm going to get you. That's the bottom line. Don't come after my minister. 
point blank, anyone. She has our complete and total support and backing, and I personally back my minister, Khadija. So I'm going to leave it at that. Take it how you want to take it, do with it what you want to do with it, but that's the real deal. Chairman Kahar, your mic is open. Yeah, it's uh, one thing that I want to ask uh, in San Diego and in Oakland, San Francisco, he is talking. Uh, you have a record a high minute panther was murdered or brutalized by United States or us movement. Um, um, to answer that for San Diego, there, um, this is a, and this is, you know, um, another embarrassing truth about the chapter. Um, when, when, uh, the party was disbanded, you know, back in the day, whoever the historian was for our, for our San Diego chapter, they sold all of our documents to San Diego State University, okay? So what has happened is the history of the party, literally, outside of Brother Trinnell, and at the time, he wasn't even in San Diego. He was in Oakland. So at the time, um, so in, in that aspect, the history is all in archives at San Diego State University. So if I wanted to read up and give you the statistics on an exact number, I literally have to go to the San Diego State Library. And I literally have to pull those files. No, that was saying that a panther was killed in uh, San Diego. A bunch of cardinals were shot in the university by... Uh, yes, sir. Yes. Chairman Kahar, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I kind of, you know, I'm getting calls. I kind of wanted to keep it on topic, but we will definitely have that topic where we, you know, where we're dropping that information with the 15, with the 15 minutes. I, I want to kind of keep it on topic of the social media and the black liberation struggle. So I, I wanted you to have a comment. Yeah, you don't have a comment or, or a question on that? Oh, yeah, about social media? Yes, sir. Oh. Hey, man, one, the first thing I got to say, that we got to stop using the word original. And I'm saying that I'm a pastor that came from that period. I came through NCCL, and a lot of brothers who been comfortable with NCCL. The original pastor started in Lowes County, it uh, came to New York, and it went to uh, Cleveland. It went to San Francisco uh, first, and it came to Oakland last. Oakland, the only one that changed its name. We were called the Black Panther Party. Uh, Malcolm said that we need a political party. Uh, Fannie Lou Hammond, the Queen Mother Moe, and all of them came and said we got a Black Panther Party. When it got to Oakland, it changed with, a, with an adjective called the Black Panther Party for self-defense. And when Negroes got guns, they cast the news. So all of a sudden, Oakland caught the news because there was brothers with leather jackets and sisters marching with guns. So people right on. People bridging the panther, man. But I'm saying shaking bait. Bridging the panther started down in Lyle County. And then Right, right on. And we go through the... 
right on. And we go through the and and that's right on. And we go through the developments, and we're gonna definitely have a show on those developments. Let me go to them. We're gonna come back to you, um, Chairman Carr. Let me go to the phone lines because our phone lines are blowing up. I believe this is our National Minister of Justice, um, Minister Justice. Your mic is open. Uh, my power family, this is a, a really good topic. I was wondering, uh, I was actually glad, you know, with the events over the last couple of days regarding social media, what I have seen uh, over the years is that um, the individuals who have perpetuated a lot of things against the party, uh, they did it through social media. And, you know, a lot of times we, we don't use social media. The people who have the party, we are not. You know, we have very strict orders with regards to the use of social media. I think that, um, you know, <clears throat> we have had different programs, and, and like uh, just to say, you know, individuals take pictures and they manipulate them. In this case, a lot of our stuff was not manipulated, but individuals were taking um, pictures of the work that was actually being done by other people, and they were using it to recruit. Um, with the other things we saw, or what I believe, is that there wouldn't be so many factions had we vetted these individuals properly um, with regards to social media. Uh, I, first, I had a little misgivings about the whole social media thing, but, you know, again, just like the sister says, you know, there's individuals who, um, is social media a good or a bad thing? I think whoever a person is, social media only brings that negativity out of them in another way. They would be doing those same, very same things in a different fashion if they weren't doing it on social media, how they go to social media and try to annihilate and destroy people's character and defame them. And these same individuals are very operational within our, um, our within various chapters and character formations. They are operational to the point where they succeed in destroying it, and after a while it seems like nobody has any way of dealing with them. Uh, and they continue on the same path. And I applaud the system for taking the, taking the, the hard road and having her back against the wall and fighting herself out of a corner, you know, to be able to bring this, these truths to light. Because now uh, that, that threat should be neutralized because we all know about it. A lot of people should already know about it, and I think she's right. You wouldn't have been able to put them up on post, signs on post. You wouldn't have been able to do that. But, again, like social media, I think that social media could be a good thing and a bad thing depending upon the personality of the individual that's using it. Just like a person that's driving, if you got an aggressive driver, you could believe that that person is the same way in, if they stand in your face. They're doing all kind of reckless things to get their point across or to get what they want. So, um, again, uh, Brother Chairman, I thank you so much for bringing this to the forefront. And um, I think that there should be more conversation regarding how, the, so how social media can be used to best serve us and how to neutralize those who seek to destroy the party. So I do brother war as always a uh, fantastic job uh, with the training. I'm glad to know that he's our chief of staff under Chairman Yanger. <laughs> um, and I'd like for everybody to know that this is one of the best conversations in a while regarding social media as it applies to the party. A lot of people have been arrested, but um, I think everybody knows that these fools, they get on, they want to have guns out and this and that. You know, so the bottom line is I really think that it's a good thing when it comes to vetting and to neutralizing people who like to destroy the same on social media, black power. Black power, all powers to oppress people. I appreciate that contribution, uh, Minister Justice. 
And that's basically what the conversation is about. And that was basically the point of the whole conversation was it was is the use of social media and the black liberation struggle. And I think that we've heard from different views. I think they have been adequately uh, espoused. You know, the brothers and sisters, people who contribu- uh, contributed to the discussion were very articulate in their contributions. Me, I'm, you know, like I said, and a lot of people who know me know that I'm Fred Flintstone when it comes to any type of computer and the thing. And if you check my Facebook, I'm not on it a lot. But I do see the good and the bad in it. I do see the good and the bad in it. I do see that it is a way to uh, reach the masses of people at one time. Like Minister Latrice um, pointed out, so ad- ad- adequately pointed out about the, I'm, I'm sorry if I forget the brother's name, Alfred, I believe his brother Alfred, and saying that went to the thing and how it drew the masses and how we learned about Sandra Bland and other atrocities and injustice happening to us as an African people. It is a good way to inform us. So I guess what I'm coming up to in the conclusion that I'm coming to with all this is that it isn't really social media, but it is that it is the brothers and sisters who use the social media, that this should be a wake up call that prayerfully we would have, would have listened to this radio program and will begin to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, are we being accountable? For what we're putting out there Are we being responsible Are we using this like our chief of staff War says as an instrument As a tool Not to replace the movement Not to replace action But to add to it To be Like we, like I just said An instrument To further to aid us in our advancement To aid us In empowering ourselves here And with this with a greater weapon, with a bigger weapon, or a bigger instrument as social media, then not only is it does it take, not only is it, it, it has to make us look at ourselves and examine ourselves, but then as revolutionaries, we must begin to develop a mechanism or develop something that will stand as a check, as a reference for people who use this under the guise of revolution. This is one of the things that Chairman Kahan was pointing out. Ideology. You see, ideology. If we had the proper ideology and the proper training of revolutionary black nationalism and understanding that and revolutionary pan-Africanism, internationalism, what I like to call African communalism or pan-Africanism, when we start to understand that, we will start to understand that the base components of these very things is love. That the things that we do and the actions that we take are taken out of a profound and prolific love for African people here in America and African people throughout the diaspora. And once we start to understand that this love is our guiding and motivating force, then we will start to deal with one another delicately and gently. And where we find injustices or improprieties or any type of wrongdoing amongst our people, we will deal with it still out of love, but it will be firm. 
And this is what our people have to understand. This is where the standing up for our people, this is where love of your people, see, a lot of us like to love our people. We like to love our people so much that we like to take the wimpy route. We avoid confrontation. We avoid doing the hard things that it takes to do. Whether we agree or disagree with the direction that any party had taken, with the uh, use of social media, whether you agree or disagree, if you're a revolutionary, you have to at the very least applaud the heart and courage it took to make such harsh actions because what is happening now is presidents are being set. We can talk about originals. We can talk about the development, but this is our development, our time. They say Bobby Seale said seize the time. We are too busy trying to seize that time that has passed us and not seizing this time now. So a president is being set. Examples are being set. 20 and 30 years from now, prayerfully, if we do this thing correctly, if we're sincere about our struggle, if we're sincere about African liberation and African empowerment, then the future generations of freedom fighters will be able to look to this like we look to those that came before us, like we look to our predecessors, and to be able to learn from this. So whether you agree or disagree, you have to applaud the courage that it takes to make such a bold move. It is a pioneer move. It's pioneering. That's what you call it. It's trailblazing. They're setting presidents that have never been done before in the revolutionary community. And why I say it's never been, yeah, people have been put on Facebook before, but to do it in such a manner of professionalism to where there's not a back and forth, to where there's not a debate, to where sincere revolutionaries have now come up under personal attacks themselves. All for trying to do something motivated and inspired out of the love of the people. And this is what we forget. We get so personal and we become so egotistical and so narcissist in our behavior and our thinking that when someone is trying to do something sincere, when we disagree, we attack. We don't call up and find out what's going on. We attack. This is why our National Minister Justice said that we have rigid very strict rules about use of social media. The way that we have been attacked, and some of you listening right now were with our attackers. I know you were. It's a small community. Names travel. And we still refrain from going at you. So I do applaud, regardless of how I personally may feel about anything, I applaud the courage, the tenacity, the perseverance and endurance in going through what they're going through to be trailblazers, to set a precedent, to set some type of um, standard that we can at least start to build off of. And this shouldn't be a discussion of hate. This shouldn't be a thing that fuels and motivates more hatred and division amongst us. It shouldn't be that. With anything, this should be something that opens up discourse and dialogue between the various formations and the various individuals. See, but we've been so colonized by oppressor that we practice neocolonialism and don't know it. We begin to hate 
We begin to be blinded to the love. We, we become blinded to the sincerity of our comrades because they have done something that we disagree with. Like I said, many people had attacked us in the inception of the People's Black Panther Party. And now some of those same people that attacked us in the beginning have become some of our dearest supporters. And why were they able to become with our dear supporters? Because I understood that a lot of what they did was from misinformation or was out of a misguided love of the people or just misunderstanding. So I didn't act like my oppressor and meet them with hate and rage, and I didn't uh, come at them and expose them in any kind of way. So it left the door open. Listen, time is up. Thank everyone for listening to the show. Please tune in next Monday for our show. I want to thank the Minister Latrice of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense San Diego for coming in. Thank you, sister, for sitting in that hot seat. I know it couldn't have been easy. And with that, I leave you as I greet you with nothing but revolutionary love. And I leave you as the way that I greeted you. All powers to oppressed people, black power to black people, and African power. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did pure. Like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body. This hood politics acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbages. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee. I duck, could it be my time is up With my luck, I got up The cops shot again, bust stop glass burst A fiend drops a Heineken Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in Blacking out, I shoot back Fuck getting hit, this is my hood I'm a rat to the death of it So everybody come on, little niggas is grown Hood rats, don't abortion your wound We need more warriors soon Shit from the stars, sun and the moon And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die Nine's out. This is what nine's about, nigga. The time is now. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic.